Hi, everybody, and welcome to new episode of Dublin Tech Talks. I'm here with Susan Bowman, who is MD of ERSL. Welcome, Susan. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so uh, ERSL, Enterprise Registry Solutions, um, an Irish business that was acquired by a Canadian business, ISC, about five years ago. Uh, Susan's, you're on board eight months. Seven months? No, seven months. Seven Easy months. Now. Don't, don't <laughs> overcommit me. As, as Irish MD, um, yeah. great to have you. Uh, great to be on the show. Do you want to give a bit of a background about yourself and, and a bit about Enterprise Registry Solutions? Yeah, so, um, well, my career started, my first proper job um, started in California, actually. So um, I did, I'm technically an economist by trade, which is kind of hilarious, Um but yeah, my first gig was in California was um, I was working with the genomic startup um, out in San Francisco. So that genomic. was genomic. So they had mapped the human genome. And the idea was you could log in online um, as a researcher and take down that little part um, of the the data and then work on it. But that was before there was 5G or amazing broadband. <laughs> so, yeah, my whole baptism of fire was, you know, California um, working in a startup. It had been funded or sort of grown out of a, a Stanford group of guys. Um, it was incredible. It was such an amazing start to my career. And I learned a lot there. And then they went bust, which is a whole story in itself. I got fired while I had a broken foot. So I sort of hobbled out of the office. <laughs> and it, American style of being fired, you know, 15 your minutes. Yeah. yeah, you can't go back to your desk, you know. Um, and they closed the door six weeks later. So, you know, um, the company went under. And there was so much I remember when the data center went up for sale on the website, I said, you know, this is the best data center we've ever seen. So there's so much I took from that about, you know, they were preparing for incredible growth, mm. you know, big business, and they just couldn't manage the costs. And there were other exogenous factors like, um, you know, broadband and internet access that yeah. were issues that were meant they were just too early to the market. But anyway, so that was my first job. And then I worked for Wells Fargo, which was completely the other mm. way, massive organization. Um, they were trying to, they launched the first internet banking website. Um, and that's where I started working. Um, incredible experience there. Um then I came back and really a large part of my career was Dell, Dell Computers here in Dublin. Um, originally they were in Bray and then they moved to Cherrywood. So my story, lots of people say, oh, oh did you start in Bray? I was like, no, <laughs> I was never in Bray. Um, so we started. I didn't know they were in Bray. I yeah, they had a big, um, they had a big outfit down in Bray. And I think that, you know, they would have talked about those days as the heydays. Um, and then they moved to Cherrywood. It's a huge site. There mm. was, you know, 1800 at its height. Um, amazing place. Spent over a decade there. Learned so much there. Um, great guys. And I think after I left, I never really, I never really appreciated the culture actually mm. as much until I left. I just thought everywhere was like that. I thought everywhere was, <laughs> I thought everywhere was great and everybody really cared about your career. And I just assumed that mm. was the norm. And then I decided to go out on my own I was traveling too much. I had two young babies. It was murdering me. I was flying all over the world. Um, and then I went out on my own and thought that really I was just going to find other. I wanted to also get into other industries. I think that was a big thing was 
um, in big tech organizations, you can find people that are there hmm. decades. Um, and I felt, OK, look, I got to go out and see, can I do something on my own? Am I really responsible for a thing on my own? I think, you know, when you ask about how the hell did you get into an MD role, that that was where it started to merge. Of like, I just want to feel like it's it's mine and it's something that I've grown and that I'm autonomous in it. Um, so anyway, I went down on my own, um, worked in a few places, uh, worked for Novartis, worked for, did some work with um, an airline aviation company here in town. Uh, there was someone else in there, I can't remember, which is probably terrible. Um, and it was then, an interview, it was a, a, a job interview you got. Yeah, I you, like, there's a hole in my CV, there isn't, I just couldn't remember them. Um, but that was brilliant. That that really was the, can I deliver, can I show value, mm. um, can I bring, and I always do this, I ask this in interviews around, you know, what's in your toolkit? Like, what do you bring every time to your job? So I really developed my toolkit there. I'd learned so much in Dell and I didn't know it, actually. And then I really started to hone that mm. into a toolkit of, well, how do I use this? What would I apply? How do I build operations and so on? And then, yeah, I did a few years at Lease Plan, a big company um, based out of Amsterdam. That was a huge sort of revamp of their IT services, but then into a digital transformation. And then I left there to come here. So I joined ERS six months, seven months ago. Um, and really that story is a company, ERS was created 20 years ago. Mm. Um, still has a feeling of a startup in some ways. It's sort of small and um, the team have been there together a long time. So, yeah, I came in to take over running that company Um so, yeah, they were started 20 years ago. Their whole focus is registry operations, which I didn't even really know what that meant. Mm. You know, they're like, well, it's a registry. I'm like, OK, well, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> so the way I sort of describe a registry is a government operated list, which they're going to kill me now when I yeah. have just completely dumbed down our entire business into a list. But it's really um, a controlled list of people that are either companies or assets or land registry. So everything, your driver's license registry, mm. um, pharmacies are registered, pharmacists are registered, um, land, all these sort of controlled lists of who's on the list, who's who has the asset, who's registered. So what one of our biggest clients would be the company registration office. I think that's always our number one uh, customer reference. So when you log in, you register your company, when you... Um, um, register the directors, you do your annual return, all those sort of things. That's on our mm. software. So they've built a great product over those two decades. They've diversified into aviation um, and other registries. And I think the theme that's come on with e-government has really created this new wave of development that we're really hoping to capitalize on. Brilliant. Um I know. That was a short intro, yeah, right? Short. Short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> this so, will be your longest yeah. podcast on record. <laughs> <laughs> so what what strikes me there is, you know, change is obviously, you know, coming from a big org like like a Dell yeah. into a local lease plan at that time. It wasn't, you know, yeah. a, a pretty much autonomy in Ireland for yeah. what you were doing and, and, and coming in with a change platform. From there, and then obviously your your current role is, is, is sort of a change platform and also yeah. a growth platform. What would you see as your, 
kind of commonalities between your your kind of transformation or change programs that you kind of look at and go, you know, if we could do something here different or, or what way do you try and go about it? Yeah, it's really funny because I, I hadn't really noticed that on my CV when I look back, like it's tiny and then big company and then tiny and then big company. And it, it looks like it's all over the place, but actually there's so much you can learn on either. So mm. on the small startup, there is no HR department, yeah. you know, or who's going to fill out my travel and expenses? Well, it's you. Y- like you're doing everything. So I love that. And also it's really strong culture. It's really easy to create a culture when you're all sitting in one room and you're all there together and um, when you're growing something and you all feel really part of it. So then you flip over to something like Wells Fargo, which is like hundreds of thousands of people mm. um, and how they then scale that down, like trickle all the way down from the CEO. Same in Novartis, how they trickle that um, culture and approach and style into multiple locations. Mm. So it's actually not by design, I might add, but it's been this incredible learning of how do you go from small to big and then how do you go big all the way down to small? So how do you make sure the employee in a 30-person company feels just as valuable as the 110. And what's weird about Dell is they actually had done a great job about making you all feel part of a family um, when you were 100,000 people, yeah. which is mad. Um, but Michael Dell was still the CEO He was at that and time. he wasn't. He was, so he was and then he sold it. No, not, he didn't sell it. He stepped back mm. and he handed over Um and then he decided that wasn't actually going the way he liked it. So then he came <laughs> yeah, back and I, he actually went even further to buy it back off the market. Yeah. So it was publicly traded. And then interestingly, you know, I'm not speaking directly for Michael now, no. but it, uh, it, the sentiment was that the level of change he needed to bring into the company he couldn't do mm. when the shareholders and the stock market were watching every single step. Yeah. So his approach was, well, I'm going to take it off the market, change it and then put it back on. Yeah. Incredible, um, incredible approach. But yeah, I think I think that's been a big thing for me of when I talk about that toolkit of the things that yeah. I bring with me is how do you go from small to big? So how do you scale? But also then how do you keep those important things trickling down all the way through a company? Um, and I think... Yeah, going small, big, small, big, big, small has really helped hone. Okay, well, there's a couple of things you need to do. Um, I do think, and it's funny now in this role, you know, this company have been together 20 years. Mm. You know, these guys, lots of them have worked together for a really long time. They all know each other. And the culture was really led by those founders. You know, they set the tone and their approach, the things they said. Um, it's funny because in my first couple of weeks starting, um, I came across Satya Nadal's book. Um, he took over uh, Microsoft. So I thought, this yeah. is great. Like, this is a handbook now. This guy's going to have written. <laughs> this is how you take over from Bill Gates. You know, yeah. I thought, like, I'm going to take a day off. Just read this book. This guy's going to tell me, how do you come in as a newbie? And harness all the good stuff like this company ERS has been around 20 Mm. years like clearly they're doing something amazing so how do I harness all that but I'm different and where we need to go is now completely different Mm. direction so not necessarily what we deliver but how we're owned and how we operate so I thought great this book's gonna you know 
page one, page two, page three, you know, equals here's the checklist. Yeah. It isn't, uh, just so you know. Um, it's a lot about, the first part is really about empathy and how to relate to people. And then he goes off on this mad tangent about AI and how it's taking over the world and we should all be very scared. So that was a bit of a, um, a slam dunk there. Couldn't get that over the line at all. You had but, your notebook ready. And yes, just and then work. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to have to figure this out myself. But I do think, and I know you guys have talked about this in your in your other podcasts, there is a thing about harnessing that culture. So what is important to us as a group? You know, who are we? Mm. You know, when you come down to it, do we look after each other? How do we look after our customers? What's important? So I think there's always a bit of that um, work to do. That's always important is that reset. And actually, it was the only... Uh, when I did um, my first town hall, it was the only thing I t- took from the from Satya's book was that he created this sort of image of like when you go on a web page, you know, and it's mm. not working really and you just click the refresh button. Yeah. That's pretty much all I took from the book <laughs> um, was that's what you're trying to do is you're coming in as a new MD. You've got to click that refresh button. And he says in it, you know, you have to there's nothing wrong with the page. It's just you need to refresh it a bit. So there's loads of good stuff that's mm. still working on the page, but we have to go again. Yeah. Um, and that's really the start now for me is how do we bring all that good stuff together? How do we click refresh? How does everyone feel that it's still the same company, that all the good stuff that they've done is still right and worthwhile? But how do we now move yeah. on? And then so there's that first step is that refresh. Okay. Who are we? What do we do? Do we all know what what we want to be? And then, okay, well, how are we going to get there? Yeah. So that was the first couple of months. They're still looking at me, going like, "Is she, is she crazy? Like, have we <laughs> have we made the right decision?" You know. And um, I have a great board, our parent company in Canada, and they are great, and they're very culturally, we're very similar. They're very easygoing, very open, really helpful. So they've been amazing. So you can go and ask stupid questions uh, along with big, heavy, meaty questions. So that's been really helpful. But then, yeah, the second phase is that toolkit, is that what are what are the things that we need to do to scale? And yeah. how do we go through that change? And I think what I've noticed always... Um, it, the same thing happened in Lee's plan. There were some meetings where I'd be looking at the guys and they're looking at me going, she's nuts. Like, she's totally lost it. Like, she wants to do all these things and all at the same time. And um, and I do think, I was thinking about it, it, it really coming over here. I'm so used to that change, even in my own career of mm. um, changing jobs or you know, I was trying to use that analogy with the com- with the team I used to sail, used to race boats back before I had kids um, and I had no life. Um, but back when I did have a life, I used to race and you used to change yeah. tack all the time. So you'd be in a race and you have to go around five marks and you got to go somewhere and sometimes that could take a week and sometimes it takes two days or four hours. But it's totally normal to change tack. It's mm. totally normal to go, yeah, this isn't working out so we now need to go left yeah. instead. Um, and you do that all the time and I think uh, when I look at some of those faces, they're like, she wants to do all these changes. And I think I've had to learn over time that not everyone operates on that same level. I'm like, yeah, yeah 
we're we're changing direction. We're going over here. Um, and I think that's taken. I've had to temper myself and really in this role, trying to slow that down. What ha- what happened in Leesbound was we came up with a plan. We all did it together. I thought that was really important. We worked out what are the things that we don't want to change? What are the things that are great? What are the things that work? Um, and what are the things that we want to change? And then we put that plan together. And then what happened, and I do believe it's important, you need those quick wins. Yeah. So that, you know, is she crazy test, you know, of in the first quarter they go, oh, that actually worked. Or we could put in that process and it's stuck and it's made our lives really easy. And I think that's important because people go, okay, this isn't madness. This actually is going to get us somewhere. That's just natural human nature though, isn't it? The, you know, you need, to see something, especially at board level or at exec level, you have to really say, okay, you know, the whoever's the boss's boss always has to see there is an improvement or there is something. Yeah, well, from just this. like you know, are, what's this? Like, are you just moving all the furniture around for no bloody reason? Like, or, or is this actually going to bring us closer to where we want to go? And I think that refresh bit of that first step of, you know. Well, where do we want to go? Yeah. Like, is that still the right way? And then how do we want to do that? And there's always a lot of, you know, what's gone wrong before and why has it gone wrong? Not just because there's always, everybody's got reasons as to why we shouldn't do it. Mm. And you have to listen to them. And there is nuggets in there, really gold stuff where you're like, it's either cultural in the company or um, particular leaders that mm. it didn't work or whatever the reason is. You got to really understand why it didn't work. And then decide to do it a different way or not do it that way at all. But I do think, yeah, so refresh first was the way. Then the second one is build a plan together. And then you got to, as a leader, be able to get over those faces of what is she doing and show the quick wins. And then when people start to see that value, it really, you can really see them start to Mm. ignite. And like that's, you know, that's what you're in the whole gig for is when everyone starts to look back and goes, this is working. We're, life is easier. Yeah. What we're delivering is easier and we've got repeatable processes and we've got operations that make sense. Um, yeah. And then and then you as then you form as a team as well. You mm. know, everyone starts to pull together a bit. Um, I found now I'm hoping I could do it a second time, but it definitely as the team solidifies, then it starts to get into another gear. Yeah. So it's not you saying this is what I think we should do or this is where we need to go. Your own team are coming back and going, I have an idea or mm. what do you think of this? I'm like, oh, my God, thank God. Yeah. It's not me <laughs> um, pushing it all the time. Yeah. You don't want to be that leader of I've come up with another idea. And they're like, would you ever leave us alone? Yeah. It's when the team starts to pull together and then they're starting to think on their own and thinking ideas and collaborating together. And then, you know, you're onto something. I think that's the kind of shift within leadership of the last kind of five years, even where it was a lot top down. This is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. Thanks very much. Give me your report in six months and tell me how you got on. Now it's that collective thought process bringing people on the journey, getting them to buy into that journey. Yeah. And and modern leadership has kind of evolved like that and people want to be treated with respect in adults and they don't want to be treated as us and them. And and, and it sounds very easy, uh, but it, it's not how we have done 
work for many years and it, and a lot of organizations still have that hierarchical demand and leads and you you manage down and not manage up so yeah it, i think it is really hard like it, it's definitely a change there's definitely been even the sense of we work together not you work for me mm. um i think that is definitely even in my career that has evolved there were i had some bosses in my early career that were you know, speak when you're spoken to, you yeah. know, and that was very much a culture of we are going this way and everyone shut up, get on board, don't ask any questions and hurry up. Um, yeah. And I, I definitely noticed that guard changing um, where it became much more collaborative and you get more. I mean, it's the essence of design thinking is you really design for the the widest group of users and you'll always find those corner cases and then you're, you're onto something. So, yeah, I think that sort of top down leadership can get really blinkered and you're missing it. And it's slightly egotistical. You know, you're like, oh, I know exactly what you're supposed to do. I'm <laughs> only in here a wet day I've done this before, um, and I know everything. And that's it's madness. Yeah. Um, so I do think that's changed. I also think, though, what Sometimes there's hard decisions to make. And I think, you know, funny, we were, I was doing cal calibration yesterday where you compare everyone at the end of the year and what's their strengths and weaknesses. And I think that's that's a trait that's hard um, that you've got to learn and got to be okay with is those hard decisions. And, yeah. you know, I've had my fair share of having to let people go, put people on pips. Um, I remember I had a, a boss in Dell um, he'll never listen to this, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, I had a boss and he said to me, he goes, you got to fire the whole team, whole well, team yeah. in a particular site that I had, um, not in Ireland. And I was like, I can't, what are you talking about? There's no way I can fire them all. And he goes, would you pick them? So if we were yeah. building a team again, would you pick them, all of them? I was like, well, no. And he goes, well, then what are you doing? Mm. Like, what are you doing? You're going to carry them all year and for two years and three years and you know you haven't got the right team and it really sat with me now I didn't I didn't fire I, them all on the I, same day I, Sorry I, th I think that really stands me to meant the startups I work with that they're not afraid to make that decision quickly yeah. the, the person in that position for 12 months or 18 months was perfect for that yeah. 18 months yeah. But the next stage of the business, yeah. mm, that right person, okay, they shake hands, everybody says it, and then they get the next person in. And startups do that extremely well. Yeah, and you have to because even in your first phase, that might, they might have been the right people. Mm. But then when you go on to the next phase, and it, it doesn't mean they need to go, it means that we need to find a different place for them, yeah. you know? Um, and you got to get comfortable with that. I remember um, I sit on the board for TUSLA, the Child Protection Agency, and Bernard Gloucester, who's now the new CEO for the HSE, yeah. um, starting now in a few weeks, um, watching him was phenomenal. He was such an inspiration for me, um, not just as a board member to watch how he runs the executive team, mm. but just how he managed us as a board and then how he managed down and how he created that team. He's just such an example of, and he's, he's going to be phenomenal in the HSE, but it's such an example of you got to make some tough decisions and they're mm. really, really hard to do. Um, but you need good backing. The one thing I would say, and, and we've talked about it, is you need a backing of your board. And actually, I felt that all my career when you've got mm. bad and I've, it's not worked out sometimes for me where you've got to make tough decisions. And I've gone back to my boss or or 
my board and said, you need to back me up here. This is going to be tough now mm. and we need to be all on the same page as we go through this. And sometimes they are and it works and sometimes they aren't and that's where it goes awry. Yeah. And you need, yeah, for that, for it to be set up for success, you need people behind you going, yep, yeah, I've got your back when we drive through this it is the right decision we all agree um, and you need to make hard decisions. I think that, that question of would you hire the same person yeah. again is is a really difficult question because yeah, really it, it is right timing as I call it when, yeah. when, when you and it's I've heard you say that to me yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, that that is you know in essence what you're like I you need that person then but you know if you want to have high performing teams is that yeah. person a part of my high performing team future and the more you read about it and do that, you do have to make that. And it's it's never nice. I've fired people. I've, I've had to let yeah, people go. Tough. I've done all that. And it's just, you feel crap about it. But fundamentally, you know, if you have to deliver X, that person mightn't be on the same journey. Yeah. And, and, and it's different times as well. I mean, you can be at different stages of your life. I mean, I, for me with Dell, the sky was the limit. It was, I loved it. It was, it was honestly an amazing place to work and the guys were amazing the gals were amazing um, it was amazing but I had had two babies yeah. and I'd be on a red eye home calculating the number of hours that my childminder had spent and would I spend more time with my child if I got home at 5am you yeah. know mad stuff so at that time I had to go. I just, I needed for myself, yeah. I wanted to spend more time with my kids. I couldn't be flying. I was flying every two weeks and I just couldn't do it mm. for myself. And you do go, th that's what I'm saying. You, you, I've heard you say that too about timing is it's just not the right time. You know, that it can be whatever the company needs to go through that we need different skill sets. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't mean, and I always try and split these, their skills and experience. Um, we might have loads of people that have great experience but we have, we need a different mix of skills yeah. that are going to bring us on. Um, and we need to make, yeah, we need to make moves on it. But yeah, I do, that change, it, I think it's something I always have to remember is it's hard. Every, everyone finds change difficult. Yeah. Um, and going through so much change of people and strategy and approach and ways of working. Yeah, that can be, it could be a lot for people to absorb. Yeah, no, definitely. Especially at the moment with layoffs here and layoffs there. There's yeah. a lot of uncertainty in certain people's minds going, yeah. are we next? And, you know, a move away from kind of, we, we talked about it before about um, that definite certainty I'll have a job because I work in tech. To, yeah. to now going, oh shit, actually, <laughs> yeah. I might be next, my, my business. Yeah, but sometimes those me things for two can, years. can really, like, you know, for myself, I've always pushed, I remember, I remember there are certain people that I looked at that were never going to leave the company. In mm. some of those bigger organizations, they were lifers yeah. and that scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, and I am a big believer in, you know, Daniel Pink's um, autonomy, mastery and purpose. And I I knew for me, those three traits were something that I needed. I needed that sense of autonomy and I wanted to master the skill. I wanted mm. to figure out, you know, I wanted to be the best at that thing, running operations, running massive trans digital transformations, running a company. Um, and I felt 
I think it is a trap. You can, you know, we have some incredible tech companies here and there is incredible talent in there. And you can get cushy for sure. You can sit there and go, it's this kind of nice and the free lunch is brilliant. And that they gym me downstairs. They love me. Yeah. <laughs> and they, yeah, they tell me they love me all the time. I get free t shirts. I get a name. <laughs> yeah. And I do, it can become part of your identity. Yeah. Um, and I, I say that because I saw that happen. I saw that happen where people became lifers mm. and they were never going to leave. Um, and you can get really cushy there. And then are you really, really fulfilling your own yep. uh, best self for achieving what you really want? Um, and I it's think... It's very difficult to move, though. Like, I, my, oh. my, my world is trying to get people to move, but it's very difficult. Like myself, I was 13 years in the company and it was, it was cushy, it was, you know, but when you do make that change, it, it is you know, it's great, but it is also very scary. <laughs> yeah, it is scary. But that's what I like. I think if you if you become a person that has your toolkit, you bring your mm. your your tools with you, your tool belt or all the things that you you know work. Yeah. And then you go again. And it's not forever. You know, like it can be, you know, you could do your three years or your five years and then you decide, you know what, this is a great place and I want to stay here for 10 years or 15, depending. And again, if you're 20, you know, it's okay to do your two years, but when you're 65, you might go. I think, I think it's once, once the organization that lets you evolve. I think yeah, that's really that's important. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I uh, wanted to talk around female leadership. Yeah, Networks, all that kind of stuff. You know, you've come up through big companies, you know, probably, I don't know, empowering women leadership, trying to, you know, do you feel there's a, a lack of that within Ireland? Do you, you know, what's your thoughts on, on that? No, um, it's really, so I don't, I think there is a lot going on for mm. sure. Um, I think some of the big companies are doing a lot around STEM. Tech companies are doing a lot around STEM, which is great. And I think that'll be a massive shift. Girls staying in school to do chemistry and science mm. and, and technological subjects, I think it's going to be massive. That'll be, that's the future for sure. Um I think there's a middle space that I was that I am part of where we weren't emboldened that way. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a lot of people I went to school with or went to college with that were not feeling so positive or confident about, oh, yeah, I'm going into tech and that's where I've most of my meetings, most of my career I've been in, you know, yeah. low 10 percent female presence in the meeting. Um, and that, uh, but I grew up with two brothers and, you know, that was totally fine with me. But I do think, I think the board's thing's going to be interesting. Um, I think even in the leadership, I, I know you've shared those stats before around, I think women often feel comfortable as number twos. Uh, I did for a long mm. time. I thought I'll never, I'll never take a number one job. The whole idea of it frightens the hell out of me. Um, and then the more I've come on, I've been like, you know what, I'll, I'm happy in that leadership role. So I think naturally our generation, um, I think women are have been conditioned to maybe not go for number one. I think the generations coming up behind, I think that will yeah. change. The big focus is going to be around boards. I think for us, and I know, you know, I was watching... I was going to these award ceremonies and watching some of these women. I was like, where how the hell do they get there? Like, I, yeah. what's the magic sauce? And I went up to one of them and I said, can you meet me for a coffee and tell me how I, you know, how did you all get there? Yeah. This, and I remember there were a whole bunch of women. It was in the Shelburne and 
one of the women got up and said, we represent uh, 20 or 30 board positions just at our table. Hmm. I was like, what what is going on at that table? Yeah. What do they know that we all don't know? Um, and I met with one of them for a coffee and yeah. I said, tell me, what do I need to do? This is something I'm interested in. I love strategy. I love um, watching a company grow both inside and outside. Obviously, um, I have a day job. Um, and she said, she said to me, go on a course. She said, I never tell people, go on a course, you know, go do a course yeah. and that'll make you better. Um, she said, I wouldn't normally say it, but go and do the Institute of Directors course. And I would definitely, um, Eileen Gleason runs the Charter Director course. She's phenomenal in herself. Um, I've met her many a time for a mentoring session um, to help me make decisions about how mm. I go on boards and what I, you know, what do I say and how do I present myself and what's your role? And she's amazing in herself. The course is also amazing. Um, but that was a real... Do you again, know less than 1% are certified at board level? Well, this is why. But also, because originally I had another mentor and I was um, chairing a very small charity board and I'd go meet him for a coffee and I was like, talk to me, what's the gig? And he's like, here's the handbook, you read this. And it was a total baptism of fire. Um, and he was brilliant because he sat on a number of, of significant boards here in Dublin. Uh, Philip Flynn, um, an incredible mentor to me over my career. And he was the one that started me on the journey of explaining it. Mm. Then I went to this event. They're all on boards. So I'm like, well, what the hell's going on? What, how do you, where do you apply for those jobs? Yeah. Um, and then I did the course. And what is brilliant about the course, and I would recommend it to any director um, that has, you know, their right level of experience. What are the rules? You know, how do you read financial reports? Um, how do you how do you really evaluate a strategy? Can you read um, an annual report from any company? Uh, don't read the um, what was the one I was looking at the other day? Honestly, it was like the telephone book Kerry Group. Um, absolutely ginormous. We, we, we had Anthony Quigley on um, the podcast yes, and yeah. from Corporate Governance, and he precisely said the same thing. They, nobody knows what to do on them. Yeah, and that's why the course is so brilliant. It, yeah. It's so good to go. These, this is a financial acumen. This is how you approach yeah. strategy. This is how, and knowing your position as well, I think that takes time on a board is how do you know, you know, you're not running the business, but you're helping them achieve the business. Um, and I think that's been a big, a big part of learning how to, to well, as a female, yeah. feeling confident going, yep. Got my got my badge, got my cert, and then going for those positions. And I do think we'll see it. We'll see it now in the next five to ten years. I'm seeing it even on the board that I'm on. And um, you'll see you're seeing more women come in. So I do think, hopefully, we'll be the last generation that will be hesitant to take those leadership roles. I, I definitely think you're right. Hopefully, Susan Bowman, MD of ERSL. Thank you very much for your time with Dublin Tech Talks today. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks for having me. That was Susan Bowman, uh, MD of ERSL um, here in Dublin. She has a really interesting story of, of, of kind of how she's evolved her leadership and, and how she's uh, found her leadership voice and, and what she what she does well. Uh, the digital transformation journey or even a, 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 an organizational transfer journey is, is, is really compelling and, and making sure that you have the right leadership skills, uh, that you bring people on the journey and that you listen and, and try and get that we 
group together and, and, and make sure people are singing off the same hymn sheet and, and kind of pushing forward. Um, I, you know, I find leadership really interesting and, and you know, really compelling, something I'm very interested in. So it was a very interesting talk for myself. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please subscribe to our YouTube channel um, and or our Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Talk to you soon. Thanks.